0: good evening everybody welcome back to our walk with the lord in his word last uh, two meetings we've had two phrases we hope you could have remembered if not we'll just review and remind you of them let christ in and he'll cleanse you from sin you want to say that with me let christ in and he'll cleanse you from sin sometimes we use the big word justification by faith that's what we were talking about following that we talked about the concept of sanctification grow in the lord by the light of his word you want to say that with me grow in the lord by the light of his word let us pray holy father bless us now here as we spend again sometime this evening in your holy word help us to learn what you would have us know this evening so that we can better reflect Jesus Christ in his name we pray amen you might have heard the story of the kid whose uh, mother gave him two quarters and said um, sunday morning one quarter is for you spend it however you want and the other one is to put in the offering plates. And so as this kid was going, he was playing with the quarter, you know, and walking down the side of the road. And as he was walking, the quarter slipped and it fell and it rolled. And he said, uh-oh, and it rolled and it went right into a drain, into the storm drain. And he said, uh-oh, there goes the Lord's quarter. You know, sometimes we are like that little child, aren't we? We're always out to see what we can get, what we can benefit, how we can have more and more. You know, it's interesting. Last year, January 2005, Time magazine had a special issue. Front cover said, The Science of Happiness something like 60 pages devoted to the study of how science has now dug in and investigated how and why people are happy in all aspects of life. Amazing, incredible studies that they've now compiled and put into Time Magazine last year. One of the people who did some study was somebody who had originally come from Russia to the United States when she was a 10-year-old girl. Her name was Sonia liu More, let's see, get the name right here, (laughs) Sonia Lyubomirsky, originally from Russia. And she says when she came at the age of 10, she couldn't believe it. As she looked around, she was fascinated by all the smiles that greeted her in the USA. If you've ever been to Russia, you will remember people are quite stoic there. And she said it was, I'm quoting her now, four words, it was so weird. Everybody was smiling, everybody was cheerful. Well, as Sonia grew up, she decided to go and study this whole issue. And she got a grant from the National Institutes of Health to study the issue of happiness. She's currently a psychologist at the University of California at Riverside not too far from here i believe and you know what she found out this is what they came up with one of the things that helps to boost happiness i'm reading now from time magazine one is the gratitude journal one of the things she discovered if you want to get people to be happy have them write a gratitude journal what is that a diary in which subjects write down things for which they are thankful Sonia has found that taking the time to conscientiously count their blessings once a week significantly increased subjects' overall satisfaction with life over a period of six weeks, whereas the control group that did not keep journals had no such gain. Let's go further gratitude exercises can do more than lift one's mood at the university of california at davis psychologist robert emmons found that gratitude improves listen carefully physical health you want to be healthier be grateful also gratitude raises energy levels you have more energy when you're grateful and for patients with neuromuscular disease guess what folks Gratitude relieves pain and fatigue. You folk are here at the medical institution. This is fascinating things they have discovered. And so what they have done now, they have suggested eight things, eight steps toward a more satisfying life. I'm going to run through them very briefly because it's fascinating as you read what... Time Magazine is putting together from the science of happiness. Then we will go and see what the Bible teaches. It's interesting. Listen to these eight steps toward a more satisfying life according to these psychologists from their study. Number one, count your blessings. To me, it sounds like the Bible, doesn't it? Count your blessings. Number two, practice acts of kindness. And they suggest you do it randomly. you have the checkout counter and there's a mother with a crying baby behind you. You'll say, go ahead. And, and just random acts and also regular acts of kindness. So that's number two. Practice acts of kindness. Number three, savor the joys of life. Yes, even though it was a little chilly today, as I looked out at it, those magnificent mountains, I enjoyed it. Michigan is flat land and cold land. Here you have both Warmth and beautiful mountains with snow-capped peaks as well. Number four, thank a mentor. Thank somebody who has meant a lot for you, to you, somebody who has really helped you in your life. This is, by the way, from the secular science, from psychologists, folks. Number five, learn to forgive. Interesting. Again, sounds like the Bible. No, they are, these are psychologists that are suggesting you want to be happy, these are the things. Number one, count your blessings. Number two, practice acts of kindness. Number three, savor life's joys. Number four, thank a mentor. Number five, learn to forgive. Number six, invest time and energy in family and friends. Contrary to what we often might be thinking, if I want to be happy, I better invest time myself. No, invest it in others, number six. Then number seven, take care of your body. Okay, that means what? Plenty of sleep, exercise, stretching, smiling, laughing, all enhance your mood. Okay, so they suggest practicing that regularly. And finally, number eight, develop strategies for coping with stress and hardship. I'll read further. There is no avoiding hard times. Religious faith has been shown to help people cope interesting and they talk further about it let me read you just a statement or two more about this idea of religious faith they say this is a heading here on another page religious people have are less stressed and happier than non-believers and research is beginning to explain why very interesting as I as I read this magazine, I thought, this is exciting information. Listen carefully. Studies show that the more a believer incorporates religion into daily living, what does that mean? Attending services like you are tonight, reading scripture and praying, the better off he or she appears to be on two measures of happiness. Which are the two measures frequency of positive emotions and overall sense of satisfaction with life attending services has a particularly strong correlation to feeling happy and religious certainty the sense of unshakable faith in god and the truth of one's beliefs so very interesting here is what time magazine has put together from what the scientists have discovered if you want to be happy let's now go to the word of god let's see what the bible tells us a quick review let's go to isaiah chapter 43 verse 1 because it captures just in one verse what we have looked at at the past two meetings a quick review isaiah chapter 43 verse 1 and it also helps to set the tone for some of the things the word of god will show us this evening isaiah chapter 43 verse 1 i'm reading from the new king james version again but now thus says the lord who created you o jacob and he who formed you o israel fear not for i have redeemed you i have called you by your name you are mine now somebody might say oh but that's ancient israel hold on folks the bible talks about believers in christ are called spiritual israel we are israel too and so this applies to us as well and the two things that come out of this verse very interesting god says i have created you and i have redeemed you yes two things very vital and we talked about that in our last couple of meetings because we have been redeemed we choose to have that right relationship with our redeemer that's why we said let christ in and he'll cleanse you from sin And on the other side, we say, yes, once we've accepted Jesus Christ, we have the right relationship, then we make a covenant commitment with the Creator. That's why we had that second phrase that talks about growing in the Lord, okay? And that's the whole idea here. The two things are both in the verse, and it ends up with three words, You are mine. We're gods both by creation and by redemption. Now, if we belong to God, here's the question. If we belong to God, how are we then going to live? If we are belonging to God, how will we be living for God? That's the question I want to address this evening. Do the conclusions of the scientists in this Time magazine corroborate, confirm what we find in the Bible? So let's go now to James chapter 1, verse 17, our first real verse on our topic. uh, Isaiah was just a reminder, a review of what we've had in the past to a large degree. Let's now go to James chapter 1, verse 17. Because we're going to talk about this evening, belonging and be living. What does that mean? If God says, you are mine, what are the implications for us as Christians? James chapter 1 verse 17 says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning in a nutshell everything you have everything I have all comes from where? from God, right? in a certain sense folks you and I are if you want to use the term stewards that's the old English term, right? Nowadays, what do we say? Oh, he's a business manager. Let's be a more little more highfalutin. We are all CFOs. What is that? Chief Financial Officers. God has put in our care all kinds of wonderful gifts. And I'm going to briefly mention four of them. They all start with the letter T. In case you are apt to forget or you don't have a pencil to write these down, they all, these are the basic categories of gifts that God has put in my care and in your care as chief financial officers of what He has put in our care. First, the first T is what I call the temple. The temple. And you know that passage that talks about your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that. An entire message devoted to the temple concept. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 and 17 is an example of that. That's the first T. But we're not going to talk about that this evening. The second T, we use the word talents. God has given every human being a certain kind of talent or more than one talent. Sometimes we use the word gifts, spiritual gifts. We're going to talk about that one whole evening also. We're not going to talk about that this evening. The first one is what? Temple. The second one is what? Talents. So the temple and the talents, we'll spend an entire message on gifts. What does this mean? What kind of spiritual gifts? We'll talk about that later on, and you can see that... Specifically, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, three chapters there talk about those gifts. Now I would like to look at the third T. And by the way, everybody, every human being has an equivalent amount of this talent that starts with a a T. And what is that? Time, you're right, time. Okay, we want to spend a few minutes here on the issue of time. So turn with me now to Ephesians chapter 5. Very interesting verse. I've looked for other verses that give this idea, but this is the only one I could find in my Bible that specifically talks about the importance of using the third category of gifts. Category number one was the temple. Number two was what? Talent. Number three is? time here we're talking about the time issue of time let's look at verse 15 ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 see then that you walk circumspectly now wait a minute what is what is he talking about walking physical walking go back to the first verse of that chapter notice the context therefore Ephesians 5 verse 1. Be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us. So obviously, he's talking about your spiritual walk, right? This is not a physical walk. Let's go back down to verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. My Bible has a comma there. Notice, it continues. Verse 16. Redeeming the what? redeeming the time because the days are what the days are evil one translation says it this way making the best use of time now i'm going to share with you a story i got a personal friend let's call him shane and i remember he is so passionate he loves the lord so much he he has a full-time job but because he loves the lord so much he became a, a leader in his church working with the people, encouraging them to share the gospel. And he was working and working and spending time and leading out and so forth. And he was doing more and more because he wanted to maybe redeem the time. And he went further and further. But guess what, folks? He was married. He had two kids. And they were way off on the other end. And I remember hearing that his wife was not very happy. In brief... She was so angry that if her parents had lived closer, she would have left him. I had the opportunity to find out that there was a a problem here. Sometimes we get so passionate about doing right that we do it wrong. That's the danger. Now that doesn't happen with too many of us, (laughs) as far as I know. But we talked about it, to make a long story short, he realized the problem. And I remember him getting on the phone one evening when he was expected at church. I told him, your situation is desperate. You know what he did? He called the church and he said, sorry, I cannot be there tonight. I've got a family crisis. Hmm? And he went home. He went home with his wife. He confessed to her, apologized, asked for her forgiveness, and made pledges to then balance his life. When we talk about redeeming the time, we're not talking about being fanatical we're talking about balance in our life folks and you know what was interesting the next day the same wife who wanted to leave him when it got towards the afternoon she said honey can we get ready so we can go to the meeting tonight did you hear what I said that's right she was now excited because he'd gotten balance right in his life we've got to make sure we don't go to extremes now I know there are people who uh, you've seen them driving Driving with, uh, uh, they, they're trying to utilize every minute of their time. And how are they driving? Driving with what? Cell phone to the ear. They call that multitasking, right? And they've, they've come up with studies now, folks. I'm going to warn you. They say that when you drive with your cell phone on, apparently you're three to four times as liable to have an accident. It's even worse than drinking alcohol. Now, I'm not suggesting you go out and drink rather than use your cell phone, okay? They're both bad. Don't do that. But they're talking about how dangerous it is. There are so many people that are trying to redeem the time the wrong way. Multitasking is fun if you can do it safely. Don't do it where other people can be hurt. I try and experiment with that myself, and I won't bore you with the details, but at home while I'm cycling on my bike, I've got my computer in front of me, I'm reading my emails, I'm studying, and I'm cycling indoors, yes. And I'm able to do more than one thing at the same time. Of course, my wife came and said, but you're not helping around the house enough. So I put a little table next to me, and I now fold laundry at 30 miles an hour. (laughs) And folks, my wife is happier. You know, but then she said, oh, but you're not ironing your shirts." So I built a little t- table that comes down over the bike and I now can iron shirts at 15 miles an hour. <laughs> and I iron about three shirts while I warm up, you know. so. But, but multitasking can be a fun thing to do, <laughs> okay, it, as long as you do it safely. Redeeming the time, I'm really not talking about that. But just just an example that uh, of some of the things some of us do. Because we feel we are so busy, we have so little time. (laughs) Be careful. Have you ever heard somebody say, Oh, I'm just killing time. Folks, time lost is never regained. You use it or you what? You lose it. So be careful. I remember when I'd come out of college finished my four years of study and I remember sitting down one day because I realized how important time was and I took a piece of paper and I charted how much time I was using for whatever activities every day for a whole week and I'm telling you folks I was shocked I couldn't believe how much time I was wasting I challenge you to do that sit down one day and chart where and how you are using the time that God has put in your care it might be an eye-opener it might be a revelation All I'm suggesting is prioritize, balance your life so that you can best reflect the love of Jesus. Don't go overboard either direction, okay? Be very careful of serving the Lord to the extent that you lose your family or on the other hand of doing nothing because you say, I don't want to lose, you know, I'm spending all my time with my family. Let's find a balance Balance your life. Let's go to number four. This is the one whenever we talk about how should we be living for the Lord, how should we use what He's given us, people always think of the fourth T. By the way, what are the first threes? T number one? The temple. We'll talk about that later. T number two? Talents. We'll talk about that too. Number three? Time. What do you think number four is? treasures aha you're right treasures number four go with me now to deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 7 you see god knew when he was providing for those israelites a beautiful home god knew right away that there would be a problem if he sent them and he provided for them this wonderful land flowing with milk and honey and so now look what god warns cautions reminds these people about as they are going in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 7 says for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land a land of brooks of water of fountains of and springs that flow out of valleys and hills verse 8 a land of wheat and barley of vines and fig trees and pomegranates a land of olive oil and honey a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity uh, in which you will lack nothing a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which He has given you. Verse 11, beware. There it is. Here's the danger, folks. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments, His judgments, and His statutes which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, go to verse 14, when your heart is lifted up, Pride. Notice pride here. And you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Go to verse 17. And then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Here's the danger. The danger of pride of possessions. Uh I, I came across an extreme case once of this pride of possessions and pride of accomplishments. Oh, this is the danger. The, even for those of us who work for the Lord. You know this idea. Oh, I, our church has had so many baptisms. We are the best. We are the greatest. It can happen even in religious spheres. Be careful. Pride. No matter what you do, you can become proud. Okay? This is, the, and I'm stopping there. Be careful. It reminds me of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar who said, Isn't this great Babylon that I have built? Remember that statement he made? I want to show you a picture here briefly because here is a picture called the thrills of victory. And I wanted to mention this because last year something happened in New York and uh, this was two runners who ran 26.2 miles. This was the end of the race, folks. After running a full marathon, they came in the Kenyan right here, Paul Tergat, the South African right here, Henrik Romala, they came in one less than one-third of a second apart after running 26.2 miles. Less than a third of a second apart. 0.32 for those who want to be mathematically correct. And I went and I read to see what Paul Tergat said and I've read about him before a humble man you know what he said and I actually wrote it down he said this when I hit the tape that's the first time I knew I would win you don't find him boasting I am the greatest he is the fastest marathon runner in the world he holds the world record five times cross-country champion in the world he is one of the most incredible runners ever But you don't find him boasting, I am the greatest. There was an athlete years ago who kept walking around saying, I am the greatest. And I think you know who I'm talking about. But this is, as I thought about this runner, the world's fastest, he didn't say, I knew I was going to beat him. I only knew I was going to win once I hit the tape. (laughs) He doesn't boast. It's incredible. As I've read about this gentleman. I want to go now to verse 18. Back to the Bible. I thought I would share that illustration of a runner who just isn't the proud, boastful kind. Verse 18, And you remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. God is the one who gives you power to get wealth, folks. So you know what God did? He knew we stand in danger of always thinking we are the ones who have made ourselves wealthy. So God instituted a very intelligent only a God-given plan that would work. And what does it come at? Just six chapters later on, God introduces a plan to help everyone to remember that it is He who blesses us. So go six chapters down now to Deuteronomy chapter 14. Let's go to Deuteronomy 14 because here God now institutes a plan for everyone how to Constantly remember that it is He who provides us with wealth. Deuteronomy chapter 14 verse 22. You shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces every year. Tithe all your increase? Yes, God says a tenth you must return to me. Now you'll notice this evening I will not say we should pay tithe. We should give tithe. You cannot do that. Did you know? It is impossible to pay tithe. It is impossible to give tithe. Wow. Why am I saying that? Tithe can only be returned. Turn with me now to Malachi chapter 3, because here you can see what God says. You see, God says the tithe belongs to me. Let's go to Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. And here, Malachi records the words of God with very strong language. Very strong language. He asks in verse 8, by the way, will a man rob God? Okay? Yet you have robbed me. That's, what, that's the context. And so, what is God talking about here? You have robbed me, He says. How? In what way have we robbed you, they say? In tithes and offerings. And he goes on, You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. And then God continues, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Hold on. Somebody says, Oh, that's Old Testament. Oh, by the way, it is reiterated in the New Testament. Jesus reaffirms the principle in Matthew chapter 23. And the purpose of this is to spread the gospel. In First Corinthians chapter 9, it comes up very clearly. Tithing is still a biblical principle. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, And try me now in this. By the way, the only place in the Bible God challenges me and you to test Him, to prove Him, to try Him in this. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Incredible. Now I want to back up to a story I shared with you the very first night when I shared that very first day Virtuous Valentine. And I shared with you how I met my wife, Linda. We were in South Korea working as student missionaries and I stopped the story where we met and got married and so forth. I didn't tell you some of the rest of the story which I want to share with you right now. You see, while we were working in Korea, we had two-month terms and and we had five classes each. Two-month terms. I was there for 14 months. So you can calculate and at the end of every term and every class, almost every class, we'd have a party and they would bring a gift for the teacher so over time when we calculated this and this is in the late nineteen seventies Linda and I calculated that we had received more than two thousand US dollars worth of gifts and here we were now just about ready to set out on our honeymoon and as I reflected on that passage you must bring a tithe of all your increase I said who Linda we have been blessed by these wonderful gifts incidentally one of which If you come to our house, you'll see it right there, a beautiful vase, oriental vase. We still have some of these precious treasures. I said, what do we do? We need to return a tithe. Unfortunately, the students hadn't brought us money. (laughs) What do we do? We said, well, we have money set aside for our honeymoon. Honeymoon money? Yes, let's take out of the honeymoon money and we'll put $200, return a faithful tithe to the Lord in gratitude for His gifts. We decided to do that God says test me now in this and we said okay we will do that Lord you said we should we'll test you so we set out on our honeymoon now we got married in South Korea and I wanted my wife to get to meet the rest of my family and friends so we went to South Africa and we went down to a city now this is just one of the stories I don't have time to share all of them but we went to a town where my father had been a pastor something like 15 years before and when we as we would coming by train, I said to my new wife, Linda, you know, there are two places I'd love to have taken you. One is the Kango Caves. Oatshorn, the town, is famous for two things, Kango Caves, and secondly, ostrich farms. I said, those are the two things I wished I could have taken you to, but we don't have the money because we returned a faithful tithe. We cannot afford it, but I just wished I could have, but we'll go to to the place where I lived as a kid. I'll take you to the Stone church that my dad built and we'll look around at the town, you know, and so forth. There's, there are enough interesting things we can kind of look at. And then we arrived at the train station and my buddy Sam, I had sung in a quartet with him many years before I was first tenor. He was bass and he was the pastor in that town and he showed to pick, showed to pick us up. We got into his VW Bug, and as we were driving away, Sam turned to me and said, Hey, Ron and Linda, good to meet you. Ron, I've decided I'd like to take you to the Kango Caves today. And I, I, before I could say, but Sam, we cannot afford it. And by the way, the Kango Caves is somewhat like Carlsbad Caverns, okay? It's beautiful with stalactites and stalagmites. It is so large that the Vienna Boys Choir had a concert in one of the caves. It was so huge to have enough place for the audience as well. I wished I could have taken her there. And before I could interject, Sam said, oh, by the way, you're my guests, so I'm going to pay for it. Yeah. I said, wow. I looked at my wife. I said, wow. How did he know? How did he know? That's one of the things I want to do. So he drove us all the way out there, 20 miles or so. And then he said, by the way, guys, I'm not going in. I've gone in many times before. I've got work with me in the car. You guys enjoy yourselves. And we went in and had a wonderful time going through the Kango Caves. And when we came out, Sam said, by the way, there's one more thing I'd like to do for you. What is it, Sam? He said, I'd like to take you, if you're interested, to one of the two major ostrich farms. Are we interested? Yes, we are. (laughs) And he adds, you're my guest. I will pay for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being so good to us. So we went to the ostrich farm, and to this day, I have a picture of my wife on honeymoon sitting and riding on an ostrich. Yes. Now there was a guide so that the ostrich wouldn't run off with her, you know. Okay. And so we had a great time at the ostrich farm. I'll never forget this experience. And then as we left, you know, when you go to different places, by the way, you always like to get souvenirs. And as we left, here is my new wife. We're on honeymoon. And she saw these beautifully plumed ostrich feather dusters. But they were pricey. And as we left the ostrich farm, Linda said, Oh, I would love to have an ostrich feather duster. Honey, I'm sorry. We cannot afford it so we got into the car and we drove we had lunch with Sam and his wife Rosemary and I remember Sam saying hey we gotta you know we gotta go to get the train we were dead just arriving in the morning catching the night train out and on the way to the train station pastor Sam said to me Ron we've got time on the way why don't we stop and just say hello to that one of the old ladies of the church that you knew when you were a kid 15 years before yes said, yeah that's fine I know sister hertzer was her name so we stopped the car And we, Sister Herzer came out and we chatted just a few minutes. We, I don't think we even got out of the vehicle. And uh, we just came to say goodbye. She said, well, God bless you. Hold on a minute, hold on a minute. And she turned and she ran into the house, folks. Didn't say what she was doing. And she came darting out in her hand, guess what? An ostrich feather duster and you know what we did with that feather feather duster we had that feather duster with us for years it was a constant reminder that indeed when god says test me now here in this i will open you the windows of heaven do i believe it absolutely Yes, and those are just some of the stories. We don't have time to share the rest with you. God has been so good. As I look back at that experience, I know without a doubt that indeed this passage is absolutely true. Now, I'm not minimizing. I know that sometimes testing times will come, troubles will come. I remember a student coming to me when I was teaching at Southern Avenue University. We've been talking about something in this area. And she came up after. She said, Professor, I have a question to ask you. I got a problem. This week, my rent is due, this weekend. The only money I have is tithe. It's about the right amount, but that's all I have. What should I do, sir? I looked back at her. I said, what do you think you should do? She said, I think I should return it to the Lord. I said, you're absolutely right. It was Friday, I believe. She went back home. She arrived back Monday class excited no elated no exuberant yes why because when she got home there was a check from her grandmother sufficient to cover her rent those miracles still happen and you should have seen her radiant face no longer worried now knowing that God indeed is a God you can trust unbelievable no it is true because god warns us we've got to be faithful the danger is too many times we 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 compromise we think oh god will understand Wait a minute! If you steal money from me, you think I'm going to understand it? <laughs> My Bible says if you, you're a thief, if you, if you don't return the money, okay, all right. Now it's interesting. Go back to verse eight. We're still in Malachi, chapter three. Oh, I hope I'm not stepping on too many toes. If I am, it's because your feet are in the way. Okay. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, I wasn't meaning to step on them, but uh, anyway. Malachi 3 verse 8, listen to what it says. Will a man or a woman rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you're saying, what have we robbed you? In tithes and what? and offerings not just tithe wait a minute god hey ten percent yes you must that belongs to god but you also need to read give offerings as cheerfully how do i know let's go to exodus chapter 35 exodus 35 verse 5 an incredible story god had just called upon moses and his people and the, the Israelites to build the sanctuary because He said, I want to live among you. That's where I want to have my actual visible presence. And of course, here they were now going to construct this, temp, this sanctuary. But where were they going to get the supplies? Aha! They put out the call. Exodus chapter 35, verse 5. Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Notice what it says. Whoever is of a willing heart... Right? Let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. Gold, silver, bronze. Skip down to verse 20 now, please. Exodus 35, verse 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of the Lord. Verse 21. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was what? Was willing. That's right. Willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all its service and for the holy garments. Interesting, you remember in the New Testament, first, uh, second Corinthians 9 verse 17 says, and you read it in the scripture reading, God loves what kind of a giver. A cheerful giver, a willing heart. Go to chapter 36 with me briefly. Look what happened. These were the willing, cheerful people. Chapter 36, verse 4. Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came each from the work he was doing. And they spoke to Moses saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment that they, that, that, and cause, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from giving. Imagine that. What would happen in the churches if people brought so much that the pastors would say, we're not going to be taking any offering for the next few months because we have too much. Imagine that. An incredible thing happening right here. This reminds me of John Wesley, the great uh, originator of that Methodist movement. John Wesley said three things. Listen carefully now. Many of you are going to go into the medical fields and you might be tempted with step one and two, but John Wesley gave us three steps that are thoroughly, correctly, biblically based. He said, earn all you can. Step one. Step two, save all you can, but don't stop there. Step three, give all you can. There it is. Earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Incidentally, interesting, the very year that Time Magazine in January had the science of happiness, at the end of the same year, 2005, the persons of the year on the cover were none other than the richest couple in the world, Okay, the richest couple in the world, and of all people, a rock star. But you know what it said? Persons of the Year, and right there it said, the Good Samaritans. Because the richest couple in the world have given literally billions of dollars, that's billions with a B, to relieve poverty and to help suffering people. And of all people, a rock star has gotten countries to forgive the debts of poor countries to the tune of, Tens of billions of dollars. They have been called the Good Samaritans because they're out there trying to do good for others. I want to go now to the book of Matthew. I always want to go to the words of Jesus Christ. And as you go to Matthew 24, I told you years ago, well, 2006, we decided we're going to go back to that practice of Testing the Lord. Yes, we've been returning a faithful tithe. Incidentally, you've noticed I never said pay tithe. I never said give tithe. You cannot pay tithe. You cannot give tithe. Did you know that? It's Impossible. Tithe belongs to God. You can only return it. That's why God says if you don't return it, you're a thief. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Fascinating. So I don't say give tithe, pay tithe. No. It's return what already belongs to God. That's biblically speaking, by the way. And so this year, Linda and I decided, okay, I'm going to now start... Making sure I continue with the tithing and also I'm going to, by God's grace, say, I would like to double that. And you know what's happened, folks? Unbelievable again. Why am I saying unbelievable? I should have known. The Lord kept showering us and we looked at our meager account. It wasn't meager, it was overflowing. Wow, where? My wife said to me, Ron, where does all this money come from? I said, I don't know. It's just, it, the Lord has just been showering us with blessings. You know, sometimes we think the more we have, the better off we will be. Listen to Time Magazine again. Before we get to Matthew 24, listen to this. Money, four words, money can't buy happiness. I'm reading from Time Magazine, okay? Money can't buy happiness. The things that really matter in life are not sold in stores. Love, friendship, family, respect, a place in the community, the belief that your life has purpose, those are the essentials of human fulfillment, and they cannot be purchased with cash. Everyone needs a certain amount of money, but chasing money rather than meaning is a formula for discontent. Too many Americans have made materialism and the cycle of work and spend their principal goals, then they wonder why they don't feel happy. The words of Jesus, Jesus here challenges us, warns us in chapter 24. And the context of chapter 24, as you well know, is the end of time. Look at verse 44. Therefore you also be ready, Matthew 24, 44. for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And then Jesus talks in the next two verses about the faithful CFO, if you please, the faithful business manager, the faithful steward that uses God's wealth properly. Let's go one more passage of Jesus. Matthew chapter 6. What does Jesus warn us? Be careful, folks. Verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And we go down to verse 33. Jesus says in a nutshell, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I love to end with a short story. I met this young man just last month. His name is Ed. He sent me his story so I can share it with others. Ed began to study the Bible, folks. And as he studied the Bible, the pastor he was studying with told him, Ed, the Bible principle challenges us to return a faithful tithe. Now, Ed was studying. He hadn't joined any uh, that, that church yet. Ed was studying. And he began to reflect on it. But around the same time, listen to this, around the same time, he finished his MBA and his school loans came due. You know what I'm talking about? When those school loans come along, you know there's that other temptation. In fact, a student at Southern one day came to me. I'm just taking a digression from Ed's story here. And she came to me after class. She said, Professor, I don't know what to do. Because I have my rent due this weekend. The only money I have in my at home is the tithe. And it's enough for my rent. What should I do, Professor? And I turned to her and I said, what do you think you should do? She looked at me, she said, I think I should be faithful to God. I said, you're right. And she went home, deciding to return the faithful tithe because it belonged to God. She came back after the weekend exuberant. She said, you won't believe what happened. When I got home, there was a check for my grandmother for just as much as I needed for my rent. So, wow that's incredible these stories still happen folks they still do let's get back to ed's story so ed says my my loans are due now and he says i was praying for two things lord lord i need a job because i have decided i'm going to return a faithful tithe starting the last week of august he told his fiance i'm going to start the end of august final week i'm going to start returning the tithe he said i was impressed by god he says lord i need a job with good money, because of my loans that I do. And Lord, please, give me a bonus, okay? I'm using my own words. I need a job close by. I don't want to travel all the way to New York City. That's where the good jobs are. Give me a job close by. And guess what, folks? The last week of August was when he got a job. The job, he says, was the income was three times of what he was now returning in tithe and it was five miles away from his home. Listen to the words of Ed. I'm quoting him out. Thank God for giving me the courage to trust Him and obey Him. Yes, Ed is still studying the Bible. He hasn't joined any church As he's been studying now. But that's what he said. And I want you to put up on the screen just one short phrase. It says, give God your best. He'll take care of the rest. you want to say it with me? Give God your best. He'll take care of the rest. Again, give God your best. He'll take care of the rest. Remember the passage, as Paul says, And my God shall apply all your need according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. The question I want to leave you today with is simply this. Are you willing, like Ed, to trust God and obey Him and thus be a faithful manager of His gifts that He has placed in your care? Let us pray. Holy Father, thank you for entrusting each one of us with various gifts, all these good gifts you've given us, whether it be the temple you've blessed us with, the the, the talents, the time, or the treasures. Help each one of us to be willing to trust you and to be faithful to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.